As I listened to those words, I thought that ought to be our prayer, shouldn't it? Whatever it takes to draw closer to you should be our prayer. I know it's my desire. I'm not sure sometimes it's my prayer, but it is my desire to be more like the Lord. Well, three years ago, many of us committed ourselves to fulfilling the vision, which was a plan to raise money above our normal tithes and offerings. And that is coming to a close, as probably most of you are aware. The goal, the commitment of that program was that 50% of the funds given would go to reduce our debt. And during these last three years, we have reduced our debt by a million dollars, leaving us with $1.5 million of debt. The second 50% was to go to improve our facilities. And much of that, of course, went to infrastructure needs, things you cannot see, but things that were necessary. And then we've been able to paint the building, to put in new carpet, put in new flooring, to redo the parlor, the bride's room, a lot of things like that, and uh, the restrooms and so forth. And even now, we are changing the carpet in Boyce Chapel. So there's been a lot accomplished during these past three years through Fulfill the Vision. Now, here, what I'm asking today is for you to prayerfully consider extending your commitment to fulfill the vision by one more year. That way, we would continue to be able to reduce our debt and we would be able to complete some of these programs or these projects that need to be completed. So I'm asking you if you will extend your commitment by one year, and some of you were not here at the time when we made the commitment, and you have not been able to participate, I'm asking that you join us in this commitment. So that's what I'm asking today. That's what I'm going to ask today, is that you extend your commitment by one year. Now, there is one verse of scripture that I'm going to read today. And then we'll depart from it, and I'm going to say some other things. In Matthew chapter 5, verse number 41, a part of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, And whoever shall force you to go one mile, go with him two. Barclay said the word force is a Persian word, which means a courier. Now understand that Rome was in control of Palestine at this time. Because they had authority at this time, then they could force compliance to their law. And the Roman Senate had passed a law. The law said, in any conquered province within the Roman Empire, soldiers may compel able-bodied men to bear their burden one mile but no more. So it is within this context that Rome had the authority to force the people to comply with this law. So Jesus said, when you are forced to carry the burden one mile, carry it two. Now, he was speaking about the second mile, but before we get to the second mile, I want us to look at the first mile. It's always interesting to me. This is sort of a 
parenthetical statements. Always interesting to me. I can always tell when I'm speaking about money how you respond differently. You get very noncommittal and quiet. This is not going to hurt. So don't worry about it. Nobody's going to force you to do anything. And whenever we get through, uh, you're still going to be intact. So don't worry about it. I just want you to listen to what I'm going to say. All right. So we're going to look at the first mile. The first mile in any relationship is always a duty. The dictionary defines duty as that which a person owes to another that by which a person is bound by any natural, moral, legal, or spiritual obligation to pay, do, or perform. So, when we talk about the first mile, the first mile is always a duty. And Jesus illustrated that when he told the story about a servant's relationship to his master. And in Luke chapter 17, Jesus said, But which of you having a slave plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, come immediately and sit down to eat. But will he not say to him, prepare something for me to eat and properly clothe yourself and serve me until I have eaten and drunk and afterward you will eat and drink. So you see within that relationship of the servant to the master There is a duty. There is an obligation. So Jesus is saying in that relationship, the servant, first of all, has to fulfill his duty to his master. Now for us, I suppose that the soldier, more than anyone else, epitomizes commitment to duty. A soldier is given an assignment. He might be excited about it at first. After a while, it becomes routine and then he might become bored with the assignment but he still has the obligation of duty there is a duty that he is to perform that is a part of the first mile well ladies and gentlemen the first mile of the christian life is duty so jesus then applies the illustration of the master and the servant to the christian He says in Luke 17, 10, so you too. He was speaking directly to the disciples, but by extension to us, so you too. When you do all the things which are commanded you, say we are unworthy slaves, we have done only that which we ought to have done. So what I want you to understand in the first mile, that it is a duty. But the fulfillment of that duty is expected. Now then within the family, what do we expect in the first mile of a family? Well, when two people get married, in that first mile we expect that there is faithfulness, that the husband is going to be faithful to the wife and the wife is going to be faithful to the husband. That would be within that first mile, would it not? As a matter of fact, that's a part of our wedding vow. When we get married, we promise that we are going to be faithful. So within the family, in that first mile, as a first mile family, we expect faithfulness. We expect the members of the family to protect each other. I I know that the one thing you don't want to do 
is to say something bad about a mother's child or you're going to have some problems with mom because she becomes extremely protective. There is, uh, in that first mile, I think within the family, there is the acceptance of responsibility. I have responsibilities as a member of the family. Now that in my case, I'm not passing judgment on it one way or the other, but when my children were little, I never paid them to do their chores. Now, they would try to get me to, but I never paid them for doing their chores. And they said, well, I'd tell them to do something. They said, well, how much are you going to give me? I said, I'm not giving you anything. You see, you have responsibilities as a member of this family. And so you do your chores because you get to live here. That's a part of it. There is a responsibility. I think that goes within the first mile. So within the family, there are those expectations that come within the first mile. As a student, there are expectations of the student in that first mile. You go to school, it is expected that you're going to attend. It is expected that you're going to listen to the teacher. It is expected that you're going to learn, study. It is expected that you're going to do your homework. All of those things, those things come within the first mile. That is a duty that is expected within the first mile. If you have a job, it is expected that you'll work. I heard a report the other day about the number of people who have jobs who never show up. I thought, how do they get paid? I guess they get paid, I guess they show up to get paid. I don't know, but that seems strange to me. That is a part of it. As a matter of fact, a job description is a first mile document. This is what's expected of you. If you take this job, then this is what is expected of you. My dad, I still remember this. My dad telling me when I was a boy, Wendell, if you work for somebody, they give you a full day's pay, you give them a full day's work. It's just expected. That, that's a part of the first mile. All right, as a Christian, it is expected that we fulfill the duties of the first mile. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5, He died for all that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. All right, let's think for a minute. Within the Christian life, if you have committed your life to Jesus Christ, what is included in that first mile? Because that is your duty, and it is expected that you will fulfill that obligation. So what's included in the first mile? Well, I would say baptism. I I think that's a part of the first mile because the Bible tells us that after we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are to be baptized. Now, we are not being saved by being baptized, but we are being obedient to the command the Lord has given. And it is through baptism that we publicly identify with Christ. We are saying that we belong to Jesus Christ. So I would say baptism. Well, what else? Church attendance. Apparently today there are some have tickets to the masters when I look out, but at any rate, church attendance. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 25, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So within that first mile of Christianity, I would say there's church attendance. And did you notice that he said in there that when you are faithful in your church attendance that we encourage each other? It is an encouragement. 
whenever the Sunday school teacher has prepared a lesson and prayed over that lesson and she comes and the room is full or he comes and the room is full, then they are encouraged as a result of it. So within that first mile of, of the Christian life, I would say that includes baptism. I think that includes church attendance. And I think that it also includes tithing. I think that's within the first mile of being a Christian that you tithe. In fact, the Bible says in Leviticus 27:30, thus all the tithe of the land, of the seed of the land, or of the fruit of the tree is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. All right. So it is expected then that we would give to the Lord that that is already the Lord's. The Bible says the tithe is the Lord's. It doesn't say if you give it to the Lord, it's the Lord's. The Bible says that it is already the Lord's. And it is expected that we honor the Lord with the tithe. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 23, 23, just in case there are those who say, yeah, but that's Old Testament. So I'm going to throw this in from the New Testament. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done, referring back to the tithing, these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others it is expected. Well, what else is expected? Well, in that first mile of Christianity, I think it is reading the Bible. I think that if you are a Christian, it is expected that you'll read God's Word, that you'll be a witness, because Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. So we are to tell other people about Jesus, that you will serve, because the Bible says that we have been saved by grace, but we are saved to serve. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So, when we talk about the first mile, as I understand the first mile, that is a duty, it is an obligation. And it is expected that we will fulfill the obligation. Now we come to the second mile. Second mile is very different. The first mile is a duty of the law. The second mile is a response of grace. I believe that the second mile is a mark of maturity. But what constitutes the second mile? Now let's draw some comparisons here. Now we talked about a first mile family a while ago. And I said that within the first mile of the family relationship that there is faithfulness, there is protection, there's the acceptance of responsibilities, those kinds of things. But what does a second mile family look like? Now, that's what you want, is it not? I mean, you want to go beyond the minimum in your family relationships. So what does the second mile family look like? Well, you move from the legal commitment to genuine and loving appreciation. Husbands and wives, you genuinely appreciate each other. I remember once that Linda and I were having a discussion about some of my less than stellar qualities. I was not the one who brought them up. But as I listened to her for a while, I, I finally said, you know, 
but I'm dependable. That's about all I've got, you know, I'm dependable. And I know she appreciates the fact that I'm dependable. I appreciate her. You know what I appreciate? And I was thinking about this. You know one of the things that I appreciate about Linda? I mean, other than her being a godly woman and all those things, you know what I appreciate? She is willing to make herself uncomfortable to do some things that she's not comfortable with, like cutting her hair. I like those bangs. I'm so glad she did it. I mean, see, I have... During our marriage, I, she has had black hair, blonde hair, red hair. Once she had green hair. That was an accident. But I, I, I really appreciate that. That's one of the things I pre- I never know. When I go home, I don't know what I'm going to get. I feel like I have a harem sometimes. But I appreciate that. Now, you see, because... In your relationship, in the second my relationship, appreciation moves to acceptance. If you appreciate someone, then you can accept that person. Now, for years, I, I tried to change Linda. I told you that. I, I thought, you know, I might be able to do something with her if she'll just pay attention. <laughs> and so I tried to change her for years. And finally, I came to the place where I just, you know what? She is uniquely created by God. She isn't like someone else. She is her. She is who she is. And I appreciate that and I accept that. And that then leads to genuine admiration. And I do admire her. That's what I'm saying. In In the family relationship, to go that second mile, it is beyond that legal requirement that is there that you go to appreciation, acceptance, and admiration. And I can promise you, you'll have a different relationship when you do. Well, how do, well what does a second mile parent then look like? How do we go the second mile with our children? Ephesians 6, 4 said, And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So there are first mile requirements as parents to the children, but I think when you get to the second mile, then things change somewhat, and he said bring them up in discipline. You know what that word means? Bind says it means a sound mind. Now my interpretation of that is that parents, you have the responsibility to teach your children to think. Many of the problems we have today is because nobody is thinking. I don't know what they did, but they're not thinking. I also often think of this whenever I'm thinking of that. You know the word amused because there is so much amusement today. We even have amusement parks today. Do you know what the word amused means? It is two Greek words. Muse means to think. The A means to negate. So the word amuse means not to think. And it's been very successful. We simply don't think. Parents, that's your obligation. That's your responsibility as second mile parents. Teach your children to think. Because, see, sometimes we are so fearful, we want to take our children and put them in this little mold and, and hold them tightly. And then when they leave home, they get out and they don't 
do things exactly like we told them to do them. You need to teach them to think in a safe environment. Discipline. Instruct them. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he'll not depart from it. Okay, so we're talking about that second mile. There are second mile spouses in your marriage relationship, second miles as far as parents and children is concerned. What do second mile Christians look like? Now, we know that the first mile Christian is pretty uptight because they are bound up pretty much by the law. What does a second mile Christian look like? As church members, the first mile Christian attends church. The second mile Christian defends his church. In Jude, verse number three, I felt the necessity to write to you, appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith. The word contend means to stand up, to fight for. I have, for the life of me, I have never understood when someone is a member of the church and they say that they love the church and someone is attacking the church, that they just stand there. It means to stand up for. And then he goes to the next verse, for certain persons have crept in, ungodly persons, who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Folks, the second miler is the person, is the Christian, is the church member who defends the church and defends the church against heresy. When doctrines begin to come into the church that are contrary to Scripture, this is the person who stands there to defend the church. Not just attend, but defends. Uh, what about the Bible? Your relationship to the Bible. The first miler reads it. The first miler might even study it. The second miler lives it. You see, they apply it to their lives. What about giving? The first miler tithes, because that's the obligation. The second miler gives. That is above the tithe. What about forgiveness? The first miler condemns sin. You remember the story in the Bible about the woman who was caught in the act of adultery? And she was brought to Jesus and the Pharisees were standing around with rocks in their hand. And they condemned her sin. They were ready to stone her, but they condemned her sin. The first miler condemns sin. The second miler extends forgiveness. That's what Jesus did. He said to the woman, where are your accusers? She's, well, they had gone. And Jesus said, I don't condemn you. But here's the caveat, go and sin no more. He, he wasn't being accepting of sin, but he was being gracious to a sinner. That's a second miler. You see, the first miler is the one who is always condemning. The second miler is the one who forgives. Now then, there's the first mile, then there's a the second mile, and here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you, of course, to join in the second mile because that's what we are trying to do in extending this fulfilled vision. It's a second mile. 
And as I thought about our church, our church has always been, I think, a second mile church because second milers are visionary. They always look beyond the first mile. They're always able to see further. Our church has always been able to do that. I have mentioned to you before that when we built the sanctuary, the historic building, that it would seat 900 people at that time and the population of Columbia at that time was 8,000. Why did they build such a large building when the population of the community was 8,000? Because they were able to see beyond the first mile. When we built this sanctuary, right in the middle of it, the library became available. And I thought, oh my heavens, how, what are we going to do? And our people, some of the leaders in the church said, we have to buy it. We don't have that many opportunities because they saw beyond the first mile. When we got through with that, we built a family life center. And now thousands of people are involved in that ministry because they saw beyond the first mile. In our media ministry, did you know that we have been broadcasting our services in Columbia for more than 50 years? For more than 50 years. Most of you are not even that old. And now then we have... We broadcast in, across the entire state. And now we started the new media ministry that makes, makes it available to the entire world. Second milers are visionary. They always see beyond the first mile. They're always compassionate as well. They're moved by compassion to go beyond the duty. There is a story of the, um, call, we call it the Good Samaritan. The guy was going down, he was beaten up, robbed, and left for dead. And the priest and the Levite came by and saw him there. They were on the way to church, and so they looked at him and said, Yeah, he looks right to me. But they were fulfilling that first mile. They were they good religious people. They were going to church. The Samaritan, however, stopped and took the man and bandaged him up and took him in to, for some care and left some money and all that stuff. He was the second miler. He was moved with compassion. First Baptist Church has been moved by compassion. In missions, that's the reason we give hundreds of thousands of dollars outside this church every year. We just had a team to return from Haiti, been doing missions there. A team to come from, back from Bulgaria doing missions there. Move with compassion to minister. Second milers are generous, always generous, because they see what others do not see. They believe what others do not believe, and they do what others do not do. They are generous. Now let me close. I'm asking you because we are going to on, on the 28th of this month that, that you pray about it and ask the Lord would the Lord have you to extend your commitment for another year? And if you have not been involved then ask the Lord about your involvement so that we can continue this for another year. And you say, well okay what happens at the end of another year? Let me be candid with you. I'm coming back to you again. You know we're never going to quit this, don't you? But what I'm going to ask you to do at the end of that year is that we build two buildings. One is a student building that we add on. The Lord has blessed us with an incredible student ministry and student ministers. And folks, I am convinced that... Um, you know, we have pretty well lost, in many ways we have lost our country, and if we're going to gain it back, we're going to have to do it with young people. We have to have a ministry that is dynamic, reaching out to young people, and, 
and Chris and, and Tripp are just doing a fabulous job with that. So I'm going to ask you to come back that we build, uh, that we extend our student building out there. And then that we build another floor above the music suite for our media, that we expand it, the media and the music, that we expand that ministry. So I just tell you that because this is not going to be the end. I'm asking you to extend this vision for one more year. 50% of what is given will go. And it has to be, understand that it has to be above the tithe and offering. Okay. So whatever you do, it has to be above the tithes and the other offerings. So 50% of it will go to reducing the debt. The other 50% will go to making improvements on the building that we were not able to do. Now, was that, did that hurt too badly? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege of serving you. Thank you for these dear people who love you. Lord, make us second milers. Going beyond just that that is required into the area of love. Lord, I pray that you'll bless this invitation by drawing people unto yourself in Jesus' name. Amen. In just a moment, we'll stand. Choir will sing a hymn of invitation. Perhaps you're here and you've never given your heart to Christ. My prayer today is that you might. That's really where you begin. If you're looking for a church home, you pretty well understand us now. I invite you to come be a part of our family. Stand with me, please, as we stand together. They sing, you come, I'll greet you as you do.